You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in as we get ready to observe the 50th anniversary uh, of social unrest in 1967. Later this month, we look back on the social movements that surrounded those events. The late 1960s were a time of growing political involvement, including social upheaval and radicalism. New far-left groups were forming to call attention to war overseas and inequality here at home. Right here in Detroit, in the wake of the 1967 rebellion, a group of artists and activists formed the White Panther Party in 1968. They were white radicals who wanted to support the Black Panther Party and fight against racism. This week, the founders of that group reunite for an event at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History here in Midtown. It's one of the panels leading up to a series of events at the museum that will remember the events of the summer of 1967. It is called, say it loud, Art History Rebellion. The panel takes place this Saturday, Saturday from 2 to 4 p.m. at the Wright Museum. It's free and open to the public. Joining me now to talk about the panel and that history is Lenny Sinclair, who's the founding member of the White Panther Party and Kresge eminent artist for 2016. Also with us is Charles Farrell. He's the director of public programs at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Lenny and Charles, welcome to Detroit Today. Well, thank you very much. And well, hello. Yeah. Uh, Lenny, I want to start with you, and, and I want to go back to first that summer of 1967, and then the next year when you form uh, the White Panther Party. Most people, I think, if you say Black Panthers, they understand what that is. They have some reference in their mind to what that movement was about. I'm not sure that's true of the White Panther Party. So so tell us about that. Um, yeah, the White Panther Party was um, a little different than anything else because we were not a regular new leftists or old leftists. We really were not political. We were a cultural organization. And, um, and because of our um, advocacy, advocating uh, the repeal of the strict marijuana laws. We got uh, notorious with the Detroit Police Department and they kept arresting my husband, John Sinclair, Mm -hmm. uh, three times for possession of marijuana. (laughs) And the last um, uh, bust resulted in him being sentenced to nine and a half to 10 years for possession of two joints. Wow. And that was a radicalizing experience, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Because instead of, you know, um, flower power and and, and, and free love and everything, (laughs) now we had to fight against the government to get our our chairman out of jail. Right, and to have your rights respected. It occurs to me that 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 experience uh, put you in league with the African-American community in the city of Detroit at the time, which was, of course, being abused by the Detroit Police Department consistently and sort of without any sort of uh, restraint. Uh, And is that where the idea of White Panther Party comes from, this this sort of connection to 
the black experience. Well, it really comes from Huey P. Newton uh, uh, telling white radicals, no, you can't join the Black Panther Party, Party. start (laughs) your own. The problem really is with the white community, organize your own people. And uh, we were already doing that, you know, so we figured he's talking about us. (laughs) 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 And of course, at first it was all peace and love and fun and everything, (laughs) but once we started calling ourselves White Panthers, Ooh, we became the enemy. Yeah. But we came, it was, it was a sign of the times for us to use the term white Panther Party in a positive sense, but it did confuse a whole lot of people, thinking that a white organization's got to be a racist organization, and we were just the opposite. We were trying to give white people a good name. Right. <laughs> right. I guess if you say White Panther Party, you could uh, you could surmise that maybe that's uh, you know like a, one of these new alt right uh, type yeah, of groups, right. but you were the opposite of that. Uh, but the reason we uh, felt we could get away with it because the poster child for our party was this rock and roll band we managed, the MC Five, uh-huh. the Motor City Five. Yeah. And as long as they were the White Panthers, there was no uh, question that we were. You know, not racist, <laughs> just the opposite, you know. Right. But what happened then, um, like in 1969, the MC5 split up from the White Panther Party because the record industry executives told them, John Sinclair's too hot to handle, you got to break up if you want to make some money like the Rolling Stones, you know, you can't be that political. <laughs> and so after the White Panther Party broke off, from the uh, after the MC5 broke off from the White Panthers, uh, it became very confusing because as long as the MC5 was the poster child, there was no doubt. So that's when we decided we had to go uh, and change the name, and eventually, like the next year, we changed it to Rainbow People's Party. I see. And which now everybody's a rainbow. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, Charles Farrell, uh, Director of Public Programs at the Charles H. Wright, uh, talk about this panel that we're going to have and this, this extended commemoration at the museum of not just uh, the founding of the White Panther Party and those things, but this entire era in Detroit and the things that, uh, that shaped so much of what we see now. Yeah, this is really a, a very important time for us to uh, take a really critical look at, at history uh, 50 years later. Uh, and of course, the Charles H. Wright Museum, uh, since July 23rd last year, with the erection of the eminent artist uh, Charles McGee's sculpture entitled United We Stand, mm-hmm. uh, we launched uh, over 67 programs to take a, a look at uh, rebellion uh, movements uh, throughout the country at a higher historical arc, a larger uh, view in order to be able to discern uh, critical patterns that existed so we can better understand some of the root causes and uh, factors related to Detroit. Uh, of course, uh, the 1960s itself is uh, really one of the most uh, tumultuous, uh, violent uh, periods in United States history. Uh, as Dr. King would say, the uh, U.S. was the greatest purveyor of violence mm-hmm. with the uh, uh, Vietnam War and, and all the uh, multiple assassinations that took place. Uh, of course, uh, Detroit being uh, really the epicenter and the largest rebellion that occurred in 1967, um, actually between 67 and 68, there were uh, 
384 rebellions in 298 cities. Uh, typically, the catalyst and the root cause is police violence. Uh, so, uh, you know, we see um, uh, so many programs that we have looked at. Uh, we just recently completed a program on the Weather Underground, another uh, group uh, that uh, was associated with Detroit and Ann Arbor, uh, that's uh, in some ways aligned with the White Panther uh, Party movement. So the, the connection that we see there is, uh, for example, COINTELPRO, mm -hmm. uh, the uh, development uh, that emerged in March of 1971 when uh, draft dodgers broke into the building and uh, found uh, thousands of records. Uh, to the surprise of everyone, uh, there was a target on the African-American community uh, particularly to stop the rise of a black messiah, but we see this various nefarious uh, attempt to murder, assassinate, disrupt uh, the movement, which uh, comes at the feet of the White Panther Party. So, you know, we see definitely a relationship as well as the, the government's attack on the Black Panther Party in Detroit. Um, our programming is fairly extensive mm -hmm. uh, throughout uh, this period, uh, we will be looking at, for example, a, a very important uh, event that occurred on the second day of the rebellion, the Algiers Motel. The Algiers Motel yeah. uh, we're terming that the Algiers Motel uh, teenage murders uh, against uh, by racist police uh, to look at that. And to, of course, the film is coming, uh, Detroit yes. by Catherine Bigelow. Yes. Uh, so uh, all our events are uh, geared to... Um, delve a little deeper into understanding to associate our programs with reading material. So in this case, we have the founders mm -hmm. of the White Panther Party. Mm -hmm. So when you look at history, you want to go to primary source yeah, information. Right. Right. So we're very happy to have uh, convened a panel that includes the founders, Lenny St. Clair, John St. Clair, mm -hmm. uh, Jenny uh, Davis, um, and uh, Pun. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have Peter Werby, who will be uh, moderating this uh, very uh, important panel yes. uh, supplemented by reading material. Yeah. It's uh, Jeannie Parker. Jeannie, yes. Jeannie Parker. Yes. Jeannie Parker, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the movements born out of the mid to late 1960s. Uh, stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Tell us what you remember from that time. Were you part of one of these movements? We'll be right back on Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Lenny Sinclair, founding member of the White Panther Party and Kresge Eminent Artist for 2016. Also, here is Charles Farrell, Director of Public Programs at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. We are talking about the 50th anniversary of the rebellion of 1967 and the founding of the White Panther Party. A year later, there will be a panel from 2 to 4 this Saturday at the Wright Museum uh, involving founding members of the White Panther Party. We're talking about the movements that were born out of the mid to late 60s here in Detroit, Michigan, and we'd love to hear from you. Were you part of uh, one of these movements? What do you remember 
from that time. And what do you think is the difference between then and now in terms of sort of radical activism? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Lenny, I want to ask you about what's different uh, that you see between then and now uh, in terms of the role of radicalism. I mean, certainly on the right, I I feel like we're seeing a lot of radical movements emerge. Where are they on the left? (laughs) (laughs) Um. The so-called left got the summer, got got uh, destroyed by Richard Nixon, and and also internally when the Vietnam War ended, the there was no 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 reason to fight, and a lot of people went back to what they were doing before, going to college, getting degrees, writing books. It was a period of time where they were radical uh-huh. but <laughs> I think people are as radical now as ever it's just uh, there's there's not one focal point to fight against right. except we all have to be very very vigilant against um, establishment of a king or fascism in America and that's something that we got very close to when Richard Nixon was trying to abolish the Fourth Amendment and sure. take over the country by himself. <laughs> right, you know? right. And it sure backfired on him. But let's see what happens in the future with our new president. <laughs> do you do you see the, do you see any sort of uh, parallel or or reflection, I guess, in the effectiveness of? far-right rad- radicalism uh, in, in contrast to the, to the things that, that you were involved in in the, in the 60s. I mean, it's almost as if the right has learned from that radicalism and maybe even perfected it in a way that, uh, that, that the left never, never did. Well, it also depends on that the so-called white has all the money and can they dominate do. the media and with, uh, you know, with modern media and uh, computers and twi- tweets and Twitter and all that stuff, they, uh, it sounds like they are very strong. Yeah. But when you think about back in the 50s and the 60s, they were a lot stronger then, yeah. I think, you know, uh-huh. because we, the, there was a dark ages compared to now and right. I think the 60s made a profound difference and I do think that the Amer- American people will not let that happen yeah. to, to, to get rid of the Constitution. Even Republicans, even moderate Republicans are, are rebelling against that. Yes. Now. yes. Let's go quickly to the phones here. Ricardo in Detroit, welcome to Detroit today. You there, Hello? Ricardo? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I just wanted to uh, to voice my concern that, you know, throughout these discussions, um, no one has talked about the uh, Latino movement in the city and what was happening during that period of time. And there was the, the Brown Berets, there was the Young Lords Party that was going on. And uh, while I appreciate the uh, white campus piece, you know, 
Uh, my recollection during that period of time, since I was one of the coordinating folks mm-hmm. back in the late 60s, was clearly that, you know, they were partiers. You know, that those were the things that were happening at the Grandy Ballroom, and, you know, they got a lot of press, and, you know, people in, the, in our community, in the community of Southwest Detroit, were actually doing things in terms of setting up free clinics, you know, doing uh, scholarships. They created the uh, Chicago Boricua Studies Program uh, with the labor movement at Wayne State University, uh, all those kinds of things. And that kind of gets, you know, swept under the rug. And, you know, one of my concerns is just basically the continuation of the marginalization of the Latino community uh, throughout the history of the city. And, yeah. uh in particular, in that period of time. Yeah, uh, Ricardo, great points. Thanks for for calling and uh, and making them. I don't think anyone is trying to purposely leave out uh, the Latino community, uh, but but uh, I, I do appreciate uh, your 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 points of view there. Go ahead, uh, Charles. Yeah, I just want to mention that uh, at Charles Wright Museum, we found uh, very important to uh, discuss the Chicano movement, in particular. We had a, a program uh, recently called uh, Symbols of Resistance, the Martyrs of the Chicano Movement. Uh, we uh, had uh, a great visitor uh, called Marx from Freedom Archives, uh, also uh, Diane uh, Rivera from uh, University of Michigan, uh, as well as uh, other panelists uh, to uh, discuss the Chicano Movement. So there's certainly an important uh, intersection among uh, all uh, peoples uh, particularly uh, the Chicano and African American community and others uh, in the struggle for uh, human rights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number uh, on the phones. Uh, you can also go to the WDT Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. Lenny Sinclair. But before we end, I want you to talk just a little bit about the Belle Isle Lovin, which was one of the. Uh, sort of uh, signature events, right? <laughs> the White Panther Party. <laughs> yes, we just had a 50th anniversary uh, a few months ago on yeah. April 30th, uh-huh. and it was a very, very cold and rainy day, <laughs> and I was surprised by just how many people did Showed come up. out. Yeah. Um, and uh, in 1967, it was a beautiful sunny day, and all the people came out with flowers in their hair and playing music and having yeah. fun. And then that uh, got uh, raided by the police. Okay, so I'm thinking if it had only been that cold, we wouldn't have had that raid. We wouldn't have had that many people. Yeah. 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 Okay. Lenny Sinclair, founding member of the White Panther Party. Charles Farrell, director of public programs at the Charles H. Wright Museum. Thank you both for being here. Thank you very much. People go out on Saturday from two to four at the Wright. For the White Panther panel. That's it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. See you tomorrow.